Fournier and Labelle in the annual report to the commissioner, Royal Canadian Mounted Police, 1902, by Inspector W. H. Routledge. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The arrest, commitment, trial, conviction, and ultimate hanging of George O'Brien in August 1901 was thought to have been the culmination of crime in this country. But, as will be seen, the murders committed by O'Brien pale into insignificance when compared with the murders of Leon Boutillette, Guy Boudois, and Alphonse Constantin by Ed Lobel and Victor Fournier. To report this awful case, it will be necessary for me to commence at the very beginning, so that I may be able to bring out all the points. On July 16th, after a post-mortem examination and coroner's inquest on the body of a man found near Indian River, and the jury rendering a verdict that the deceased came to his death by bullet wounds at the hands of some person or persons unknown, another Yukon mystery sprang into existence. There was no mark of identification on the body of the murdered man, and the only tangible means which could possibly lead to a knowledge of his name was a small key-ring containing three keys and a key-ring tag marked Boutillette E. Broughton Boos P. Q. This small but seemingly insignificant clue led to the knowledge that Leon Boutillette had been murdered. Boutillette was a French-Canadian, by trade a carpenter and contractor, and had lived at Saint-Francois, Beauce County, Province, Quebec. A telegram to Theodore Pula of that place elicited the information that Boutillette had left Beauce on June 4th, en route for the Yukon that he had written a letter from vancouver under date of june eleven stating that he was leaving for dawson that date with two french canadians named constantin and guy boudois the party arrived at whitehorse on or about june fifteenth and left for dawson in a small double-ender boat on the sixteenth this party was increased at whitehorse by the addition of two men whose names were given as la dossier and la forest but who in reality were la belle and fournier they were seen at several points along the river but all trace of them was lost in the vicinity of stuart river the boat used by this party was numbered by the police at whitehorse three seven four four Boats 3743, 3745, and 3746 arrived in Dawson from Whitehorse in good time, but boat 3744 was not found for some time. Finally, it was discovered in Klondike City by Constable Egan and brought to barracks. By this time, we had very fair descriptions of the companions of Boutillette, but on July 31, matters became even more complicated by the receipt of a telegram from Constable Graham of the Ogilvy Detachment to the effect that the body of a man had been found by one forest on a sweeper seven miles above ogilvy constable graham was at once instructed to have the body taken to ogilvy and inspector jarvis and assistant surgeon mador were ordered there from selkirk after an examination of the body by dr mador inspector jarvis sent full details by telegram and stated that the head looked as though it had been blown off by a shotgun inspector jarvis was then instructed to proceed to dawson with the body and all possible evidence on their arrival a post-mortem examination was held by assistant surgeons thompson and mador and in giving his opinion after the post-mortem dr thompson stated as follows i am of the opinion from the condition found 
that the body was dead before being placed in the river that the condition of the head would lead me to suppose that death was caused through the injuries received in this locality but whether the result of external violence or gunshot from the condition of the part i am unable to say the body has been dead for a month or two an inquest was immediately held the jury returning the following verdict that the deceased came to his death through violence at the hands of some person or persons unknown the description of this body agreed exactly with that of guy boudoir and we were then practically certain that two of the men who had left whitehorse on june sixteenth had been murdered our query now was where are the other three companions search as we would we could arrive at no tangible theory we were unable at the time to obtain any evidence that would in any way throw light on the murders detective falconer was sent to the forty mile district corporal piper was sent to the mcqueston district the comptroller was communicated with and kept posted as to our movements and actions we now sent detective welsh to whitehorse skagway seattle and portland and i must admit that in sending him to these places we did so only as a last resort we were at our wits end as to what to do next all the clues were exhausted and followed out to their end with the greatest possible care in skagway welsh found a passenger list showing the names of boutiet boudoir and constantin as coming in on the steamship amur during all this time constable burns of the town station squad had been on the case he was employed in civilian clothes around the various creeks and in dawson and in fact everywhere in this locality where french was spoken and i have no hesitation whatever in saying that it was through constable burns's most efficient work that the capture of both Lebel and fournier was made possible constable burns being able to speak french thoroughly was thus enabled to obtain information we could never have obtained otherwise and i would here like to mention that i strongly recommend that he be promoted in compensation for the magnificent work he did in this case and the efficient manner in which it was performed the result of his investigation was that he obtained information to the effect that two men named fournier and labelle had gone to whitehorse early in june under assumed names these men were seen in whitehorse by several people and a man named charles b mack informed us that he had been at whitehorse for about a week and had made arrangements with labelle to come down to dawson with him in a small boat in company with one or two others but that labelle kept putting off the day of departure from time to time until the arrival of one of the trains from skagway when a party of frenchmen arrived and then labelle informed mack that they would leave on the following morning for dawson that would be on june seventeenth mack stated that about seven o'clock on that morning he went down to the river and learned that the party had left about six a m so he was compelled to come down in another boat he stated that his party passed labelle and his party camped at this side of the hootalinqua and he later on positively identified peter or victor fournier as a companion of labelle while they were in whitehorse when taken into our storehouse mr mack also identified the boat three seven four four constable burns found fournier in dawson and from august eighth until the seventeenth we had one of our men watching his every movement from the seventeenth to the twenty-second it was considered absolutely necessary for us to have two men following him as constable burns had received information that he was about to attempt to leave the country a mr cleveland arrived from whitehorse on august twenty one and on the twenty-second in company with constable burns 
went downtown to see if he cleveland could recognize fournier they went into the donovan hotel on third avenue and cleveland immediately recognized fournier as one of the men to whom he had sold the boat three seven four four which boat he had previously seen at barracks and positively identified constable burns at once arrested fournier on suspicion of having murdered boutillette and boudoir this arrest was of course telegraphed to the comptroller and to welsh in seattle and in reply welsh telegraphed as follows have men here that knew labelle for ten years gave me three addresses in chicago that would catch him had been arrested there many times his partner was killed there by detective eight years ago peter fournier was his partner also i have telegraphed to police in missoula butte and chicago to arrest him sent for picture joseph phelp talked to him here three weeks ago was going east answer what to do in reply to the above telegram the following was sent warrant here for arrest labelle charge murder follow and arrest him taking man who knows him i have information here that he was in butte city montana about month ago joseph chapleau twenty nine east mercury street butte city can tell you comptroller mounted police ottawa will give you every assistance re extradition if you go montana see thompson mining and investment company for brother of sergeant smith who will assist you at this time it was found necessary to send another man to assist welsh one who was personally acquainted with labelle so we sent mr p a rook of whitehorse who had sold the latter several articles including a rifle and some ammunition we were now getting our information and evidence into something like workable shape we had two men with whom labelle had made arrangements or had at least endeavored to make arrangements with to come down river in a small boat mac and an old man named patrick merriman the latter had been waiting in whitehorse for some time and labelle was continually asking him to come down with his party labelle's merriman told labelle that he could not go down with him as he was waiting for money from skagway and when brought to barracks he identified the boat three seven four four making his identification more positive by informing us that he had rigged the steering gear on the boat for a left-handed man later when taken into the guard-room out of a party of six or eight prisoners he immediately recognized fournier as the companion of labelle at whitehorse by this time september one we had the following statements and witnesses ready for the prosecution constable curry from whitehorse who marked boat three seven four four and took the names of the party p a rook of whitehorse who sold rifle forty five ninety ammunition and provisions to labelle alfred horn who travelled with boutillette from montreal to whitehorse room with him at vancouver in room number twenty six at the gold house and saw him in a small boat on the evening of june sixteen with four other men on the river below whitehorse alexander snide who travelled with boutillette and horn from montreal to whitehorse and saw boutillette in a boat with fournier and labelle a few miles below whitehorse isaac forbes who also travelled with horn snide and boutillette from montreal to whitehorse and saw boutillette in a small boat with labelle and fournier below whitehorse snide and forbes both recognized fournier in the guard-room mrs carey nelson of selkirk who knew labelle well and stated that he and fournier with constantin boudoir and boutillette had called at her house or hotel at selkirk 
known as the Savoy, and purchased some provisions and had a drink between nine and ten a m Sunday morning, June twenty two she also saw la belle at dawson the following sunday and had a conversation with him patrick merriman who saw la belle and fournier at whitehorse and intended coming to dawson with them but could not get his money from the railroad company in time he identified both la belle and fournier edmund prue who met la belle in dawson after the murders and had a conversation with him saw him with a one hundred dollar bill and a watch and chain answering the description of constantin's watch he further stated that Labelle had said to him that Fournier was a blood, and if he, Prue, saw anything good, to let them know about it, and they would make some easy money. Futine Duba, who knew Labelle well, and who had come into the country with him and Fournier, and had rented a cabin to them after the date the murders were supposed to have been committed. Dodson, the second-hand dealer, to whom Labelle sold the murdered men's blankets, three pairs on june thirty for eight dollars and signed the name of louis chaton of vancouver uncle hoffman who purchased boutillette's watch from fournier cyprian sicot who knew lobel and fournier well they had left their blankets and baggage at his cabin on returning from whitehorse after the murders and also left the forty five ninety rifle with him and took a thirty forty rifle when they lobel and fournier went down river daniel a johnston who travelled with Boutillette, Boudoir, and Constantin on the steamship Amur from Vancouver to Skagway, and saw Labelle's party tied up at a point in the Thirty Mile River, and also saw the boat three seven four four tied up near the bluff at Klondike City, and identified it in the possession of the police. E. Lava, who knew Labelle and Fournier, and testified about changing the one hundred dollar bill for them, and also to certain conversations he had had with both men about this time we received a telegram from welsh dated from wadsworth nevada stating that he had arrested labelle and was leaving with him at once for dawson the telegram stated that labelle had told him the murders were committed on an island opposite a high bluff about ten miles below stewart river on receipt of this telegram corporal piper left at once for the supposed scene and with the able assistance of constable woodhill of the stewart river detachment succeeded in locating the island and later found the exact spot where the murders had been committed they also found many incriminating articles which were brought to dawson and used as evidence we then sent mr goatsman the dawson photographer to what is now called murder island where he took photographs from every vantage point which views were used as evidence in the trials welsh and rook brought two constables with them from whitehorse and with their prisoner arrived in dawson on september twelve on the way to dawson labelle made a partial confession and threw all the blame of the murders on fournier the day after the arrival of prisoner labelle fournier hearing that labelle had made a confession and seeing that the jig was up made a full confession and threw all the blame of the murders on labelle i do not think that in all the annals of canadian criminal history was ever such a cold-blooded and premeditated story of murders told as that told by fournier he told us how he and labelle had gone to whitehorse for the purpose of getting hold of some men with money and then murdering them while en route to dawson how they had met these three unfortunate men until this time we had not been positive that constantin had been murdered and in fact his body has not yet been found at whitehorse and how they had left for dawson in the small boat 
had camped with them eaten with them slept with them and then after camping for the night on the island below stuart river they had murdered them in cold blood how they had rifled the bodies of everything of value and received from the three only the small sum of one hundred and forty dollars how after they had rifled the bodies they had tied the hands and feet of the unfortunate men and weighted them with stones and then thrown them into the yukon river how they had tried to burn up all possible evidence of their awful crime how they came to dawson and later went down to the lower river country and at eagle city met another french canadian named archie gibault who accompanied them further down the river where they murdered him a few miles this side of circle city alaska both fournier and labelle were committed for trial labelle's trial commenced on october twenty seven at six thirty p m on the thirty first mr justice craig finished his charge to the jury the jury was then allowed one hour for supper and at seven thirty they again assembled in the court and the judge immediately sent them to the jury room to consider their verdict at eight forty p m the jury returned to the courtroom and the foreman p r ritchie asked the judge to explain the law relative to convicting a prisoner on circumstantial evidence his lordship read the law as laid down by roscoe and then mr young one of the jurymen asked the judge to read a passage on the same subject that had been mentioned by mr hagel the counsel for the defence which his lordship did and fully explained the law regarding circumstantial evidence the jury again retired and at ten thirty just three hours after leaving the courtroom they returned and on being asked if they had agreed upon a verdict the foreman replied we find the accused ed labelle guilty as charged the crown prosecutor then moved for sentence mr hagel asked permission of the court to withdraw from the court his lordship asked labelle if he had anything to say and he replied no his lordship's remarks were very brief merely stating that he did not see how the jury could have arrived at any other verdict he told labelle that he would say nothing further about the case as his own thoughts must be very bitter he then sentenced him to be hanged on the tenth day of january nineteen o three the trial of peter or victor fournier commenced on november four and lasted only one day judge craig finished his charge to the jury at six fifty three p m the jury retired at six fifty five p m and at seven p m returned to the courtroom and on being asked if they had agreed upon a verdict the foreman j h davidson replied we the jury find the prisoner victor fournier guilty of the crime with which he is charged the crown prosecutor then moved for sentence and on his lordship asking fournier if he had anything to say he jumped up in the prisoner's box and replied i have this to say that man labelle he killed four men and got all the money he came back to dawson and then went out to california and had one grand promenade and then came back here and got arrested and now he is getting me hanged that is all i want to say and i thank you for what you have given me i am bound to take my medicine and i have always been a good little man and i am going to die with it his lordship then sentenced fournier to be hanged on the twentieth day of january nineteen o three and on sentence being passed fournier replied that ain't too much that's all right both of these verdicts were universally popular with the community at large and i have never heard a word from any one that there might be in any way a possible doubt as to the guilt of both men 
a great deal of credit is due to sergeant smith corporal piper constables burns and bork and detective welsh for the indefatigable manner in which they worked up these two cases but as i mentioned before both arrests and convictions were only made possible by the magnificent manner in which constable burns worked on the cases day and night and i would once more strongly recommend that he receive promotion as for constable bork it was entirely through his good work that we found archie Gibault had been murdered near circle city and he certainly deserves great credit for the manner in which he performed his task detective welsh performed about as pretty detective work as could be found anywhere in his tracking labelle to wadsworth nevada and when it is considered that he travelled and searched through some six different states it will be seen that he performed a gigantic work and made success out of what at one time seemed inevitable failure welsh would probably never have found labelle had not constable burns obtained evidence from frenchman and dawson and on the creeks as to his probable whereabouts which information was at once telegraphed to the detective we are all very much pleased as to the outcome of this awful murder case as it can easily be seen that practically all of the work was very ably performed by our own men independent of the detectives end of fournier and labelle by inspector w h routledge read by phil schimpf